Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 92 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. I wanted to start this show with giving a shout out to Lanice Queen. She wrote us an honest review on iTunes. I hope it was honest because she was very kind and she gave me feedback about what she liked about the show. And I'm very grateful for her support. And we are only 10 reviews away from reaching 100 reviews on iTunes. So if you have a moment, if you've been listening to this show, I would really appreciate it if you take a moment and write us a review on iTunes or Stitchers. The reason I'm requesting reviews, because the higher reviews we get, we move up an iTunes chart and that will increase our visibility. And we would be able to have reach a more audience, like broader audience. I know that I've been getting this wonderful, heartwarming emails from you guys saying that this show gave you uh, the sex education that you felt you never received. I would love to share this information with more people and I would need your support with it. Anyhow, today we're going to talk about sexual jealousy. It's one of my favorite topics because that was one of the most confusing emotions for myself. You know, I throughout the years, I would like to think I'm very in tune with my emotions, with anger, depression, what was called kind of positive emotions and negative emotions. But when it came to jealousy, for me, it was always confusing. Because part of me, I remember before addressing, kind of like exploring and addressing it, I was thinking, okay, I'm feeling jealous, 
Nazanin, you're better than this. You have to snap out of it. And I was just like pressing it down. And like any other emotion, pressing down the emotion doesn't get you anywhere because it would resurface on some other random times. And I was like uh, snapping at my partners for no reasons and something that could have, if it was addressed in the moment when I was feeling jealous, protective, and all of that could have been justified, would totally come out like out of blue. And it could be, it was confusing for my partners. So that's why I thought it would be a wonderful topic to talk about this. We had another episode with Dr. Liz Bonnet that we talked about sexual jealousy, but Dr. Ari and I, we thought it would be great to talk about what to do about it and whose responsibility is it to address it. Is it the person who's evoking jealousy's responsibility? Is the responsibility of the person who's feeling jealous? And so we're going to talk all about what to do with these emotions. I'm so excited to have Dr. Ari Tuckman back in our show. He's one of my favorite guests. His episode on a Fidelity Agreement was wildly popular. It was one of the most downloaded shows and... I really like his approach, so I hope you enjoy the conversation with him. Dr. Ari Tuckman is a psychologist and certified sex therapist based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. He writes the Sex Matter blogs on psychologytoday.com. He actually has a blog post around jealousy in psychology today. I leave a link in the show notes to that article. I think it was great. He has given more than 350 presentations across America and nine other countries. He also specializes in diagnosing and treating ADHD and recently finished his fourth book based on research he completed on the relationship and sexual satisfaction of couples where one partner has ADHD. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Ari Tuckman. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to have Dr. Ari Tuckman back on our show. Dr. Ari, welcome to our show. I had such a great time the last two times. I'm glad to be back here for the third. Oh my God, our listeners, they they loved your show. <laughs> Actually, I talk about the Fidelity Agreement show that we talked about and you shared with us in our session often because some of my listeners are my clients and uh-huh. they loved it. They said like, you know, we uh, we listened to it with our partners and we had this great extensive talks. So I'm looking forward to another great conversation. Yeah, me too. So today we're going to talk about jealousy and how it's impacting our relationship. I know we had a previous episode around that. I read your article in Psychology Today. It was wonderful. I thought it was great. And it's just one of those emotions that come up a lot between couples, at least. I hear about it a lot in my personal relationship with my friends and also with my clients. So when it comes to jealousy, it's one of those tricky subjects. So let us start with talking about whose job it is to talk about and address it. Yeah, I think, you know, and certainly I, you know, in my office and, you know, in personal conversations, just like you, jealousy is a topic that comes up. I mean, it's a universal emotion. We all have our moments with it. Some of us have more of those moments than others, but, you know, definitely we have all been there. And I think what, what to me is so interesting 
about jealousy is that it's so kind of nuanced and multifaceted. So, and I've had situations in my office, I'm sure you have as well, where, you know, it can, the jealousy can go one way or it can go the other way. So for example, let's say you and I are in a relationship. If you've cheated on me or if you're flirting with someone and I can see that's happening and indeed that is happening, then me feeling jealous, most people would say, well, that that's pretty reasonable. Like that's a situation where jealousy comes out. But where it gets much more complicated is those situations where the one person feels jealous, but it's not quite so clear that definitely there was a thing that happened that they should feel jealous about. So it kind of raises the question of whose job is it to fix jealousy? Is it the job of the other partner who's supposed to reassure the jealous person? Or is it a job of the person who's feeling jealous to address what is it about this situation? What is it about what you're doing? What is it about me and how I feel about myself? What is what is it about the context of our relationship that's causing me to feel jealous? And of course, probably the most helpful is to address it from both sides. But I think it's really important when we talk about jealousy to really kind of like get into the nuances of what's going on and get into what's being triggered in each person and what's being revealed in each person in that interaction. And one thing that I, I was thinking about it, you know, it's even acknowledging it can be very vulnerable, saying that, you know, kind of like sharing it that this is, I feel jealous. Because there are at times that you mentioned that it's kind of nuances is not as clear to the partner, possibly that we're feeling jealous. And in order for us to share that with the partner, it requires the person to be open and saying, you know, this is what's going on with me. And I think that can be challenging as well. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, it's often it's often easier to cover up vulnerability or cover up other associated feelings, so like anxiety, self-doubt, shame, whatever, with sort of these disempowering emotions to cover them up with the most empowering emotion of them all, which is anger. So rather than feeling hurt, rather than feeling unsure about the future of the relationship, rather than feeling, you know, that you yourself are not good enough, it's easier to kind of throw it back on your partner and be angry. How dare you do this thing? How could you do that? And to really sort of rip into them in that kind of like, you know, as they say, a jealous rage, rather than stepping back and looking at what's underneath or what's behind that anger. And that is a much more vulnerable thing to do, both inside our own head, but also, and maybe especially, to put it out there in front of our partner and to say, here is something you did and here's how I feel it. Like, this is how it's making me feel at this moment. Right. And I love the responsibility part of it that you you mentioned, because, you know, at times the narrative that I hear is you did this and I, you made me feel angry, right? Not mm-hmm. taking ownership of like I'm experiencing jealousy because of these reasons. So it's just, you're right. It's easier to kind of go to the secondary emotion. So tell us about some of the situations that you think it's the offender's job to reassure the person. Right. So, you know, and of course, this is where it gets complicated because there are probably situations that are pretty black and white where the, as you say, the offender can 
if they pause for a millisecond, we'll be able to say, yeah, you know what? I really kind of was flirting with that person. Or maybe I, I was chatting up an ex on Facebook and it went beyond just, oh, nice puppy picture or whatever. And they can admit it, they can acknowledge it, and they can discuss it, that clearly they sort of transgressed, they crossed the line, they did something that they knew their partner would not be happy about. And perhaps also, maybe even more importantly, they did something that they themselves are not happy about, that like, you know what, that is not who I want to be in this relationship or just in general. That is not who I want to be. That's not the kind of stuff I want to do. I think where it gets more complicated is those situations where it's not quite so black and white, where the person who feels hurt says, you did this thing that crossed the line. And the other person says, what are you talking about? That That isn't a line. Like I'm within the line. I was just talking to an ex about her dog. What is the issue? Why do you feel you know threatened by this? And it's that, you know, so that's where it becomes much more important to be able to sit down and have a really honest discussion. Well, what were you doing? Why were you doing it? Did you think about how I might feel about it? If you did think about how I might feel about it, well, what did you think about it? You know, what did you think about the way that I would feel about it? And if you didn't think about how I might feel about it, I don't know, maybe we need to have that conversation. Well, why didn't you think about how I might feel about this thing. So, you know, that's on the part of the sort of offender, which is kind of a loaded term, but I think at least it's, <laughs> it's clear. Yes. Right, quote unquote. And then, you know, the hurt partner, the partner who's feeling the jealousy to take a look at it. Well, okay, so what what do I know actually happened here? What are the facts? If I had to testify in front of a judge, what are the facts here? Where are the places that are making assumptions or filling stuff in? What does this evoke in me? What does this make me feel about my partner? What does this make me feel about myself? What does this make me feel about the relationship and our future together? What does this remind me of in my past? So for example, if someone has had a couple prior partners who really did cheat on them or were really kind of inconsiderate about you know, the partner's feelings of being jealous or threatened by something, you know, is that old stuff being brought into this current situation? And certainly I've had folks in my office, I'm sure you have as well, where, you know, that that is clearly the case, like old stuff is coming back. Now, of course, the problem is that doesn't tell you whether indeed there's something happening or indeed there isn't, you know, um, but but I think it really can sort of muddy the waters in terms of what's how you see what's going on, how you feel about it. So I think it's helpful to kind of step back and just sort of figure out, like, what are all these moving parts? What exactly is going on here? And to be able to have kind of a vulnerable conversation that goes towards your partner rather than getting defensive or offensive and, you know, getting into absolutes and black and whites and character statements. You know, you're just inconsiderate. You're just oversensitive. And that's a much harder conversation because jealousy, as you said, it evokes such vulnerability. It's much harder, but therefore much more important to be able to step back and have that kind of a better conversation. And I think you talked about kind of like stepping back and thinking, what do I know just happened here? And I know you talked about it in your Psychology Today blog as well, which I so agree at times, there's just so much uncertainty, right? Unless we are at the yeah. mind of our partner, in the brain of the partner, we don't know if he 
liked and kind of commented at the puppy picture because the puppy was cute or it was kind of in his mind it was like or her mind was risen uh, like a past memories came up and he wanted to open the door to their past right yeah because it's really i think often with jealousy it kind of comes down to intention you know were you commenting because you know nine out of ten dentists would agree that um you know yes that is indeed a very cute puppy or is it a thing where you're just talking about the puppy as sort of like a way in to find out what your ex is up to? It's just sort of it's a it's a way to open a conversation. And of course, the problem is you can't read the manuscript, so to speak, or read the transcript and and know in that case. I mean, it's one thing if, you know, it's a situation where you read the you know chat history and very clearly there are comments being made that sort of cross a line and it's clear that the person typing it knows that they're crossing a line but then there are those situations where it's really like it's it's not clear and of course trust in each other is based in uncertainty like there's a cert there's just there's just going to be some uncertainty like i don't know 100% what you're doing and you don't know 100% what i'm doing and of course, we can only infer intentions by looking at actions. And I've definitely had those folks in my office where one person feels un, feels like there was something going on between their partner and somebody else, but they have no hard evidence that there was. And the problem is, you know, it, it's impossible to prove a non-event. Did something actually happen, but you don't know, but you haven't yet found a smoking gun or did nothing actually happen? And that's why you haven't found a smoking gun. And the problem is neither partner can prove that nothing ever happened. So that's where where we need to learn how to kind of tolerate uncertainty and tolerate the negative feelings that come out of that uncertainty. Because of course, hounding your partner is a great way to bring about some negative event that you would rather not have in the first place. Right. And at times when I have couples that they come in after like there was an incident of infidelity, first thing I hear that the partner says actually was a relief because I, I was suspecting that something was going on and she or he was keep denying. So yeah. it's just it's very complicated and challenging. And I think you're certainly right. There is a component of it related to the specific relationship that we are in. And there is another component related to our past history. So as far as a specific thing in the relationship, uh, what can couples do to kind of address that they're kind of like in the good ground with having a conversation with jealousy and they can address it? I mean, I think it begins with what we've talked about in the past podcast that you and I did on fidelity agreements about, you know, really kind of having a, an explicit conversation. Like, What's okay at this point in our relationship, which of course is going to evolve over the months and years and decades, but you know, what is okay, what's not okay, why is it okay or not okay? What do you want? What do I want? Where are the hard lines? What are the kind of maybe potentially soft lines? So so at least you don't have that conversation where there's a difference of opinion in the first place about is this even some sort of a jealousy provoking, like should you feel jealous or not? And when couples debate about that, it gets, you know, really, I don't know, it's like you need to first solve that question. You know, so like kind of to me, like the classic example of this is, you know, is looking at porn something that your partner should feel jealous about? And of course, some people say definitely not. It has nothing to do with you. 
And others will say, definitely I do, because that's like cheating. You're sexually attracted to somebody else. You're being sexually gratified by somebody else. And of course, there's no black and white answer on that. Like that's a, a question that each individual in each couple needs to sort of have a conversation about and figure out. So I think first you got to figure out where the lines are. But to do that involves first looking within yourself and figuring out what is more important to you, but also what's less important to you, your partner doing the same, and then being able to communicate about it and negotiate it and really kind of make it clear and understood. And if there are indeed issues that, you know, things in the past, things in the present that make one of you feel uncomfortable about, you know, in this arena of jealousy, to have a direct conversation about it. Like, well, I don't know. What do we need to change here? You know, what would make you feel less jealous? And how much of that, like if you're the one in our relationship who feels jealous, like, well, how much of it is that I need to do some things differently, which might mean not doing certain things that make you feel jealous, or it might mean doing more of other things that make you feel secure and connected. But I don't know, maybe it's a thing that you need to work on. Maybe the problem is not that I'm too flirty. Maybe the problem is that you need to work on being more comfortable with yourself more secure in yourself, more confident that you are someone that someone would actually want to be in a relationship with. You know, so like a lot of personal insecurity can feed feelings of jealousy. Right. I, I love that because, again, at times I see that the, the issue is is that the partner who feels jealous, there is this feeling of insecurity. There's something going on that no matter how hard the partner can try that might not go away with like, you know, help of the other partner. For example, many moons ago, I had this couples that they had this huge age gap and the partner, the wife was gorgeous and the, they were wonderful couples, but the issue was jealousy. And the husband was issue was a much older than her. And to mm -hmm. her, it wasn't an issue, but that's one of the cases that again, she was trying a number of different things. But if that's, if I feel insecure about my aging, it's one of those things that, I don't necessarily can do anything to change my age. So that can get tricky as far as yeah. the power the other partner has as far as addressing it. Yeah. Well, and that's a situation. So I think this is an awesome example because like the situation is what it is. And I mean, I suppose he could ask her to get like a terrible haircut and wear awful clothes. And, you know, like if he feels threatened by her being younger and presumably then more attractive, you know, getting more interest from other, you know, competing guys, I guess, you know, but I don't know, like, to me, that feels like too much to ask. I mean, you know, look, I mean, hell, everyone, you know, each to their own. And if she's willing to do it, then I suppose that's okay. But, you know, I feel like that's a setup for trouble that she's going to come to a point eventually of feeling kind of resentful of like, you know what, I understand that you feel insecure about the fact that guys hit on me. But like, that this isn't my problem. Like you need to find a way to be confident within yourself that you're the person I want to be with and that it shouldn't matter, you know, how she dresses or the fact that she's attractive or whatever. And I think that when it comes to solving jealousy, I think where it becomes problematic is when one person, and this is a generally a relationship problem, if when one person feels like they're working harder on the other person's problem than that other person is. You know, so like, for example, if one person feels insecure that the other person needs to be constantly checking in or always needs to be available by text or needs to sort of 
take, I don't know, take a video of who's around, you know, you're at a party, who's around, who did you talk to? And, you know, like it becomes a situation where the other person is then working really hard to make sure the, the jealous person doesn't have anything to be jealous about rather than the jealous person working on whatever their reasons for being insecure are in the first place. So I think that that's a dynamic you definitely want to avoid and that, you know, dealing with jealousy can really be a positive in the sense that it can really drive some important personal and relationship growth. Right. And it gives us a message about what are we vulnerable about? Because you're right. Again, I've seen at times and at times that one of the partner want to address the issue, but where is the line? Right. Yeah. Like you cannot have a, a webcam in your office, kind of people seeing it. Or for example, again, my like that's thank God where I'm, that's not right now as an issue in my relationship. But for example, if my husband was feeling kind of jealous of male clients coming in, right? Mm-hmm. What would be the line? I Would I kind of quit my job and stay home because of that? So I think it's important to see where is our values and how comfortable we are as a person to kind of accommodating some of those requests. Yeah. Well, and it's hard because, you know, on the one hand, we do want to be considerate partners and we want to take our partner's, you know, concerns seriously. But at the same time, you know, because if you're inconsiderate, your partner will be unhappy and then eventually that will become problematic in the relationship. But by the same token, if you're overly considerate, if you're working too hard, and again, you're working harder than the other person on their problem, eventually there's that unhappiness comes out in an other way because then you start to get resentful of, you know what, I haven't talked to this entire group of friends for a year because it makes you uncomfortable. Like, I like, come on, man, like, this is too much. Like, at a certain point, I should be able to hang out with these friends or whatever the circumstance might be. So, you know, I think it's often better to do that work up front. I think you can ask for a time. I would like you to not have contact with these people or not put yourself into these kinds of situations while we work on this, totally fine to do that. But I think at a certain point, like it's just much better to do that work up front and to have that conversation about like, what do you need? What do I, what am I willing to give? What do I need here? And to not sort of create these really tight lines around the relationship, because I think that they, they often tend to wind up feeling kind of constraining. I love that because I think that at times, one of the reasons that like post- infidelity recovery work doesn't work because, you know, I have that, like, you know, sometimes this issue happened at work that the, one of the partner was like being kind of the cheating happened with a coworker and, you know, just, we want to kind of control this situation, which is understandable early on, but like, you know, Mm -hmm. what if in a year or two, we're not allowing our partner to have any kind of social interaction outside the house and how reasonable is that? So I think it's important to have some kind of timeline and some kind of a definition about what we're asking, how much are we asking from our partners when it comes to addressing this, the jealousy part? Yeah. I think especially post infidelity, you know, people will agree to anything, you know, the guilty partner will agree to anything. And like, I get it, you know, and I also understand why the hurt partner will ask for, you know, a pound of flesh and it's not inappropriate. And in the beginning, maybe it's okay. Like maybe right now, especially like when the dust hasn't even settled yet, 
that's really kind of an, a good thing to do. Like we really need to circle the wagons, focus on each other. You need to avoid that person or that situation. But but it, it's not really sustainable in the long term if you haven't done other kinds of work beforehand. And that eventually, you know, that partner in the doghouse, the one, you know, who sort of crossed some lines, eventually they're going to feel resentful. And their their guilt of, you know, the guilt over what they did is going to turn into resentment about the price that they're paying. And that's a setup for, you know, either additional cheating or just sort of ending the relationship or, you know, just sort of like the relationship just kind of limping along, but not being really that much worth keeping, you know, but, you know, so there are definitely those couples who are post-infidelity. The good news is they're still together, but the bad news is they're still together. Like nothing is good there, or there's not enough that's good because they haven't done that hard work to try to make it good again. Right. And I think it's important to see kind of like be really honest with ourselves, what is at the heart of the situation, because at times couples coming in for post-infidelity work. And I see, you know, like saying that the partner violated my trust, but it's not about the, I, I felt disrespected when that happened, but that's heart of it. It's feeling of jealousy that like she or he did something with the partner that just he or she didn't do it with me for years or yeah. like the kind of attention and just can going back to the vulnerability piece, kind of working on the uh, main issue versus kind of like on the secondary surrounding presentation of what's going on. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, for the partner who feels jealous, a partner who feels hurt or betrayed, it's really tempting to focus all your attention and energy on what the other person did that was so hurtful to you. But at a certain point, you need to also take a look at yourself. Like, well, what was my part in this? What did I do? So, you know, either where were things at in the relationship long before this occurred that initially, you know, that sort of set the stage? Were there red flags I was missing? Was there a little bit of a kind of like a collusion in the sense of like, I don't know. So for example, you know, we haven't had sex in three months. And as much as I don't love the fact that we're not having sex, I kind of am happy about like, I'm glad you're, you've left me alone sexually, because I don't really want to go there with you. But so there, and yet, like all of a sudden you're not approaching me for sex anymore. Like that seems a little too good to be true. Am I just turning a blind eye? Am I pretending to, that I don't see what in the back of my mind, like I really see like, this is weird. Something has changed that all of a sudden you're not asking me for sex, but you seem awfully happy about things. So, you know, so I think to take a look at one's own part for both partners to take a look at their part, it gives, especially the, the hurt partner, more control over what's going to happen later. Because if you only look, blame your partner and you say, it's all about you, you did this terrible stuff, it basically means that you are putting your fate and your happiness into their hands. And let's really hope that they don't do that terrible thing again. But it's kind of like hoping for a sunny day, like you have no control over the weather. And by the same token, if you frame this as my partner did this terrible thing, basically in a vacuum, it means that it's all on them to decide to not do it again, as opposed to if you can see, you know what, I'm not responsible for what they did. They made their own choices, but there's history here. There's stuff that happened between us. There are things that I did and didn't do that influence the actions that they took. Again, still responsible for their actions, 
but I'm responsible for mine. Like, why did I make some choices and not others? Why did I choose to turn a blind eye to some things, but not others? And by seeing your part in what happened before, it gives you more control over what's going to happen next. So you're not merely the passive recipient of whatever the weather forecast might bring for you tomorrow. So I think, again, like as, you know, as therapists, this is where it gets really interesting. Like we get into these, you know, deeper, dirtier details. And it's not just a simplistic thing of like, you bastard or, you know, you bitch, I can't believe you did this to me. Right. And I guess this is, these are the situation that, you know, there was something there that was justified. The jealousy possibly mm-hmm. was justifiable. But at times I have clients and I have friends, I think I'm a jealous person. Is there mm-hmm. anything that the person can, can do to reduce their vulnerability if this is a common experience they're experiencing in all sorts of relationship, like regardless of what's going on rea- in reality in the relationship? Right. Absolutely. So I think that... You know, if you feel like you're a jealous person or going a little bit more broadly, if you feel like you're jealous, like you're more jealous than is good for you, like it's detracting from your happiness, I think you need to take a look at it. Like, okay, why do I feel jealous? What is it about situations that makes me feel jealous? Is this a thing that I need to sort of calm myself within myself? Or is it a situation that I need to speak my mind? And sometimes people who are jealous actually are not assertive enough where they won't say, you know, I don't really love the fact that your coworker is texting you after work hours and that you guys like we're sitting next to each other watching TV and you're texting this other person like that. That kind of weirds me out a bit. So do you need to be more assertive, perhaps, and speak your mind? Do you need to maybe examine, you know, the choices that you're making in terms of romantic partners? There are certainly people who are jealous who, ironically enough, have a history of dating a bunch of people with a lot of infidelity. So like, if that's the case, why are you choosing the people that you're choosing? Because that's kind of an interesting question sometimes too. And to really kind of take a look at what the jealousy, what is driving the jealousy and what purposes is it serving? And sometimes a purpose that it serves is it's a kind of defense against intimacy, that it's a way of justifying not really being vulnerable, not really saying what you want, not showing who you are, to your partner, because if you can justify it with this jealousy, then it makes it unsafe to put yourself out there. But of course, if you're not putting yourself out there enough, that may drive unhappiness on your partner's part, and they may then begin to seek some of that from somewhere else. So, you know, I think it, it's, again, it's like a great opportunity for growth if you're willing to do that work to overcome it. Right. And I think the other part of it, as you were talking about, is kind of unresolved, maybe trauma from the past relationships, you know, that there was this infidelity was going on. And then that that you kind of carried it into the new relationships in your life. And that kind of impacted your self-image and self-esteem. So, again, no matter what kind of assurance the new partner gives you, you might feel insecure about who you are and the qualities that you have. So I think these are great, great points. And the communication piece is just so important. I think just that's something that I see that can help many people at least saying what you're thinking instead of kind of expecting your partner to read your mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, so so I think it, you know, it's just a thing of like taking a look at like, does this tell me something, if I feel jealous, does this tell me something about me? Does it tell me something about you or does it tell me something about where we're at in our relationship? And I think to look in all three places and to sort of make the changes 
that you need to. And, you know, I think that people who are less jealous tend to be more secure in themselves, more secure about their partner, more confident about their partner, but also more confident about where the relationship is at this point, which doesn't mean that it was always at this point, but, you know, but they are. So, which sort of like, this is like my random segue. I I sort of had this thought, I wanted to kind of bring this into our conversation, but I remember in, in a past episode, you were talking with someone about polyamory and that you had brought up the idea to your husband. You're like, well, how would you feel if I got all my emotional needs met by someone else? And he sort of laughed and was like, that would be great, you know? And like, yeah, so I thought that was hysterical because it is that like cliche, like that would be awesome if I didn't have to deal with that. But, you know, I think the fact that you guys could have that conversation and that he can, obviously, I don't think he actually would be okay with you having an affair, but like, but that you could have that conversation. You don't feel threatened. He doesn't feel threatened. Obviously, that tells us something about him about you and about the state of your relationship. So like, I thought that was, but I thought it was just this kind of hysterical and yet also kind of interesting moment that transpired in that, you know, the difference between the couples where someone is feeling jealous and someone is not, are not necessarily like that different in terms of what's happening so much as it's different in terms of how people are reacting to it. I think just right on with the point that you were talking about also is possibly saying something about where the relationship is. Because I think at times it's okay to tolerate the jealousy. For example, if if you're taking action to opening up the relationship, right? Although you have all this kind of conversation and agreement, but it's normal to feel jealous. I would imagine the first time your partner would go on a date with someone like first time that you guys are trying to open the relationship. So I think like, it's just such a fine job of balancing things. Yeah. And those are couples, you know, like when couples talk about opening a relationship, they're hopefully, if they're doing this right, really having lots of in-depth, personal, vulnerable conversations about jealousy before anything happens. And yet they could still feel jealous in that moment and they could still feel jealous in future moments. So, you know, jealousy is a part of life. I mean, I, I, I think it's hard to the only way to never feel jealous is to never want someone, you know, like you can live by yourself alone. And then I suppose you'll never feel jealous. But, you know, but being connected to someone, valuing someone, valuing the relationship involves a risk that you may feel insecure or threatened or jealous. And that's, that's just like, you know, it's like the cost of doing business like that. That is an emotion that comes along for the ride when you get all the good stuff that comes from meaningful, intimate relationships. Such a beautiful reframing. (laughs) (laughs) And from emotion that caused so much trouble. But that is true. Like if you don't care and you're not attached to the person, you wouldn't possibly feel like caring about losing the person to another partner. Right. Exactly. And of course, like, which brings up another thing. I mean, there are people who will get mad at their partner for not being jealous because they take it as obviously you don't care enough about me. Or you would feel jealous, you know, which is probably because if the roles were reversed, that person would feel totally jealous if their partner did the thing that they were doing. So, you know, which so like that whole thing of like flirting with somebody else so that your partner sees it and then they, you know, get all fired up and jealous about it. 
as a way of bringing that partner closer. Um, like it works, I guess, like in the sense that it probably does bring the partner closer, but it's definitely not, it's not a recommended way of bringing your partner closer. But, you know, I think that somebody who doubts themselves or perhaps doubts the partner, you know, might kind of give in to using jealousy as a way of evoking intimacy, but probably better to just find some more direct ways of getting that kind of intimacy and connection. Right. And I can think and I can understand that can be also erotic, right? Mm -hmm. Seeing someone wants your partner, something you have and kind of this emotions that evokes in you, but definitely not the healthiest way of (laughs) accessing (laughs) your uh, sexual energy, but it just can be very interesting and complex. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there are certainly there are couples who will play with that a little bit. And, you know, I think as long as everybody knows where the lines are, it can all be in good fun. I think it's where you either don't know where the lines are because you haven't talked about it and then you inadvertently cross it. That's a problem. Or you do know where the lines are. It's clearly been talked about, but you talk yourself into, well, this isn't really a big deal or it's not really, nothing's actually going to happen, or if they don't find out, it's not going to be a problem. And certainly, like, we all have lots of ways of talking ourselves into bad behavior, whether it's sneaking an extra cookie or, you know, flirting with someone that we probably shouldn't be. Like, you know, it's easy to talk ourselves into certain temptations, but, but, you know, obviously we're probably better off if we have a bit more restraint on those kinds of things, or at least a bit more honesty with ourselves about what we're doing. Well, Dr. Arya can talk to you for hours (laughs) about these kind of things. And uh, we're toward the end of our time. So I want to make sure our listeners, they know where to get a hold of you. And there is this interesting book that's coming up. So tell us all about all this wonderful contents that you have available and you're planning to publish. Sure. So I'm a psychologist. I've been in practice for like 20 years. Most of what I've done has been focused on ADHD, particularly in adults. More recently, the last five or whatever years, I've gotten more interested in sex therapy and I've become a certified sex therapist. But I've got a a book that I'm currently talking to publishers about. The book is written looking at how ADHD impacts a couple's sexual satisfaction and relationship satisfaction. So if one partner has ADHD and one person doesn't, there is basically no research on this, on how ADHD impacts how the couple does sexually and otherwise. So, which is really unfortunate because this is such an, you know, that sexual connection is such an important part for most couples in terms of their overall relationship satisfaction. And since we know that ADHD can have an effect on a couple's general relationship satisfaction, it's kind of like if you're struggling too much by day, you cannot afford to not get the benefits of good sexual connection at night. So, so I did some research on it. You know, I did some research, um, like a survey online, 3000 respondents. I've got a book, you know, the book is written and I'm now just looking for a publisher. So hopefully in the near future, it'll be sitting on some digital bookshelf somewhere. Awesome. What a great, interesting topic. For one, I would be interested to read the book <laughs> because you're right. That's not something that you we usually read research about. So yeah, first of all, thank you for doing the work. And yes, I'm very excited to hear about it. When, it, when you publish it, please let us know so I can share it with our listeners as far as where they can purchase it. Definitely. All right. Have a great day. All right. Thank you. 
Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Ari Talkman. I invite you to think about where you are in the spectrum of feeling jealous, especially around your sexuality and your partner. I truly believe it's a spectrum. I haven't met anyone that never had uncomfortable emotions around jealousy. And I truly believe that this is a natural emotion. And if you learn to kind of explore it better and channel it correctly, it's helpful because it can teach you, first of all, what bothers you, what's going on in the relationship that's not working for you. And I invite you to think about it. Is this a specific, something specific to this relationship, which that would tell you that there is something going on, the dynamic of the relationship possibly kind of could be your partner or the quality of attachment, or if it's an ongoing pattern for you, where is it coming from and how, what is the source of it? As Dr. Talkman was talking about, could be an issue of self-esteem, could be an issue of past trauma, so many different things. And you can certainly work through it alone or with a therapist. Anyhow, at the end, I wanted to remind you guys that my listener survey that will take only two minutes will be live only for another two weeks. So if you want to share with me about what are some of the topics you're interested to learn more about, this is your opportunity. And also, if you have a question that you want to get featured in the show, feel free to record your voice at sexologypodcast.com and I'll do my best to answer your questions. Take care. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.